where do you categorize yourself? Are you, you C level? Are you B level? I, you... I would be like below an F. <laughs> yeah, so like not <laughs> no. not graded. We're not even in the we're Z level. Yeah, there you go. So this is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of Bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen, and I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. For the longest time, celebrities have been getting into the spirits industry. It first started off as being a spokesperson and putting a recognizable face to a brand. But now, many celebrities are coming out with their own bottles, and bourbon is no exception. And in this episode, we look at many other celebrity bourbon brands that have emerged over the past few years and analyze them. Does a celebrity care about the quality of the whiskey, or are they just in it for the added revenue stream? And really, are there any good ones? But we ultimately want to know if celebrities will help bourbon or potentially hurt bourbon. With that, enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This is not an idea that anybody sent me. It's just something that I came up with in my little old noggin. That's right. I'm capable of coming up with my own ideas. It's true. But the question is to myself, hi, self. Yes, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's so cool. So, yeah, I was curious. Do you have a particular favorite fourth grain that is used in American whiskey? Why? That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. You're welcome. I look forward to your answer. So I actually do have a favorite uh, fourth grain. Now, so for those kind of just getting into bourbon, this is a, a little recap for you of what bourbon is. Bourbon has to be predominantly corn. So the law states it has to be at least 51% corn. And it comes from a fermented mash. They do not dictate what other grains uh, that can go in there other than the fact that they have to be cereal grains. So they it can't be like, you know, sorghum, for example. So even though some people have gotten away with using sorghum. That's another story. The most common grains that are used after corn are uh, wheat. Wheat, which is what is used in Pappy Van Winkle, Weller, Maker's Mark, barley. Barley, which is used in everything. It basically enacts fermentation. The malting process uh, of uh, barley basically is very important to the fermentation aspect, but it's not typically what they call a flavor grain. So the flavor grain... It's more of a it's more of a neutral grain for bourbon. Although uh, a lot of people have been pushing the envelope on barley, and it's becoming more and more of an impact from a flavor perspective. I.e., Rabbit Hole, New Rift, Chattanooga, doing a lot of different things with malts. And then, of course, rye. Rye is the most common secondary flavor grain, and that can be, you know, really consistent consistently spicy. Uh, sometimes the, some of these new hybrids of new styles of rye coming out are a little bit more meatier, a little bit more herbally. But anyway, so the other grains that are used uh, quite a bit now are like rice. Uh, rice is being used in, uh, in a lot of products. Uh, I think Beam was probably the first one to do that. Uh, but a lot of people have been playing around with rice. There's also tritocale, which is a hybrid of wheat and rye. That is actually used quite a bit more than I think we know. I think 
I think that has been making its way into a lot of bourbons, but you don't really hear people talking about it too much because, well, Tritocale doesn't flow off the tongue and everyone's like, what the hell's Tritocale? I don't know what that is. And oats. Oats are, you know, seeing a lot more action, probably best done by Spirits of French Lick. And that is my favorite grain after wheat and rye. And reason being is oats actually go back to a lot of the early whiskey recipes. And oats can have like the a, a really, really soft profile, while at the same time, you can get the essence of the grain. And I love the essence of the grain. I love tasting grain that's been perfectly fermented and distilled and the flavor still carries through even after all the aging. So, you know, if you were to contrast in styles of what I like versus what like someone like Kenny likes, who likes more of an oak note, I would take a four-year-old four grain all day long over an over-oaked cash strength, you know, eight-year bourbon. So that would be my favorite grain. I would love to see more people play around with oats, I would actually think it would be cool if we saw a little rise, a little uptick in uh, four grain uh, bourbons using oat. And then maybe one day I can pair it with my oatmeal and I can have a whole conversation with myself about how much I love oatmeal with oat whiskey. I probably need to go see somebody. I'm being a little weird today. Thank you all for tuning in. If you have an idea for Above the Char, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Click the contact button, and if I like the idea, I'll read it on the air. Till next week, cheers. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Bourbon Pursuit coming at you. And this time, the whole gang's here, and we are going to be covering, I don't know, maybe A-list celebrities, B-list celebrities, but really, it's going to be celebrities in bourbon. And 
the topic of the conversation is going to be, does this actually, is it going to ultimately hurt bourbon or is it going to help grow bourbon? Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Now are we talking about like celebrities like Fred and bourbon or or are we talking about, I'm on now. Or are we talking about, you know, like Drake being in bourbon? Oh, I was about to say, where where do you, where do you categorize yourself? Are you, you C level? You B level? I I would be like below an F. (laughs) So like not, (laughs) not graded. We're not even in the, we're Z level. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, what's interesting about this, the guy that really kind of started the mold for a celebrity owning or being a part of, uh, of spirits was Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar made a hundred million dollars when he sold, I can't even, he's got like five or six brands now, but he sold a brand and then started more brands. And he's like, he's built like this really incredible like business model that started, you know, people started seeing that George Clooney gets in it, sells uh, Casamigos Casamigos for a billion dollars to Diageo, who has turned that brand into one of the most successful spirits of all time. And it's now like a top three selling tequila, two billion cases a year. So their investment of a billion dollars in association with George Clooney doing just fine for them. But then for every one of those, you, you have like something that just tank plunders you know it doesn't do well it's just now so this phenomenon has been going on with spirits very much so with tequila for a long time yeah vodka used to have a ton of yeah vodka <laughs> used to be real big you had like it, p diddy's vodka and yeah. trump vodka and whatever i'm sure i'm missing a bunch of them probably. and those would those would just be usually just kind of like straight up licensing deals that they would do uh with the celebrity and the whole idea, right, is to get the celebrity to be affiliated. You tap into their network and their notoriety and you put a poster of them up in, in BevMo. And then people come and buy it because uh, Kylie Jenner owns this 818 tequila, you know, something like that. And for the, you know, it's it's often very effective. But research has shown that it's not quite as effective as as people think. And they're just now getting into bourbon. And when I say just now getting into it, they're just now getting into owning brands. And like Metallica, Metallica came out with Blackened. You've seen Ian uh, Summerhalder and Paul Wesley come out with Brothers Bond, which those two have really impressed me with like how active they are and they're actually blending and everything. So Terry Bradshaw, uh, Terry Bradshaw, Charles Woodson, Drake had one for a little bit. Drake's was awful. It was a Canadian whiskey. Kings, uh, Kings of Leon Kings coming of out Le- on soon. Kings of Leon has a collab with Willet. Gore. 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 What's Gore? E40. Gore. That's the guys that uh, play dress up and, and heavy metal. Wow. Don't and know. they uh, spit blood and other. <laughs> it's it's not play dress. It's like, it's pretty intense. Oh, like yeah. Metal. They, yeah, it's, it's real stuff, man. Uh, it's like real metal. You got bro. Brad Paisley, you know. Yeah, yeah. Brad Paisley. Yeah. Uh, and, so many, anyway, and many Tim more McGraw, in the works. No. <laughs> <laughs> or not Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw. Alan Jackson. Alan yeah, Jackson. Alan Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Silver Belly. So they're all coming out. You know, they they're they all have this and and there are more there are more to come. It's a blossoming category. Peyton Manning, of course. And and so like you have uh you have these these deals that are set up and and the the distilleries are, you know, ten years ago they're like, man, we'd love to have a celebrity. Now they're like, yeah, we're good, <laughs> we're good. Do you really think they feel that way that they're they're shying away from having big celebrity spokespeople and really now? It, oh, sorry, we're just keep dropping names, Bob Dylan. Uh, so there's just 
is it not the distilleries and doing it? And maybe it's just well, it's, these other like third party companies that are trying to form stuff that they're looking at what's on the open market. What can we yeah, get? Yeah, that's let's build that's it. that's a lot of it. But also, it's a lot of it's how the deal is cut. Like if it's like a licensing agreement, like some of the deals that I'm privy to, like Black and that's all Metallica's money. So that's them actually coming in as like a company and like running that. Some other ones, not as big, are collaborations. And they're 50-50 splits on profit. So they're not, you know, just an extra, like, it's revenue, revenue stream. For, yeah. yeah. No, is, so, is that what, like, McConaughey does with Long Branch? Or? No, that's, uh, they they straight up pay him a significant amount of money. I think million, two million, something like that. Just to, like, you know, a creative director and be a creative some director. other things. Yeah. yeah. So, I have a feeling as we keep going through here, we're just going to keep name dropping other yeah, things. I know. It's like, <laughs> oh, that, there's that one. There's that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also the ones who don't have a bourbon or a spirit, they want to get one, you know, so they and they often ask me and I sometimes will make a connection for them. Like I, I connected ZZ Top's people with Balconies and, and you know, they have a whiskey now. So that stuff is out there. But those deals are not always advantageous for the distilleries. And so now, like, you know, I remember having this conversation with Peerless and Will and Australia, like, yeah, we're not giving up our barrels. We're not going to do that. So it was just that simple. Like, you know, unless it's someone like Garth Brooks coming in, I'm sure, you know, those types of distillers are not going to give anything up. And then you have like, take a look at Jim Beam. You know, they collaborated with Mila Kunis, right? They had Kid Rock for the longest time as one of their big people and Hank Williams Jr. But they never had their own brand or... Yeah, they were always like... uh, Right. So there is this difference between bringing in a celebrity spokesperson and bringing one in to like collaborate with and letting them have their own whiskey. And the rapid age people preyed upon, and I really do mean that, they preyed upon the managers and so forth who wanted to get brands. And so like they would get like Terra Cincha stuff dumped in a bottle and, and they'd start selling it. And that didn't work. That know? was the Charles Woodson brand, correct? Charles, Charles is like that. I think he's moved over to legit Green River stuff now. There's several uh, of the uh, brands out there that are rapid age. Yeah. So I guess when I start looking at this, yes, there's there's a lot of celebrities that are getting into bourbon. There's not going to stop being celebrities that are getting into bourbon. It's going to continually flourish. I think that we have to ask ourselves is, is from a, I know that we're probably one of the, you know, in the, the one percenters, the two percenters of bourbon, like we know what's going on. We know how to read between the lines. And we have to start thinking, okay, is this a good thing for bourbon? Is this going to grow the category? Or is this a money grab for the people that are just in it versus is this something that could ultimately hurt bourbon over time? Because let's take the Terracentia part as an example. And when I say it's going to hurt bourbon, as somebody that is brand new to whiskey, brand new to bourbon, and they're like, oh my gosh, one of my favorite football players ever has got a bourbon. I, I got to get this. I got to get this. I'm going to open up. I'm going to drink it. And all of a sudden they drink it. Ugh. Ugh, what what is this? I'm never drinking bourbon ever again. Yeah, like it, you you're gonna lose you're gonna lose people. That's exactly right. And you know, to Charles's credit, like he would finish his stuff in his wine barrels. You know, so he would you know try to at least add a little bit more flavor to it than what was in there from the rapid aging process. But that was Max Shapira's concern about craft whiskey 15 years ago. You know, I remember when I was kind of green and new in the covering whiskey. He set me in his office and he was like what do you think about this craft whiskey scene? You know, I think it's it could be bad because people will think that, you know, rot gut two-year-old is bourbon 
it's not good bourbon. <laughs> you know, so so I think that it's is a fair point though. That's you know? always a concern. Yeah, because you you got this small town distillery you're going to support, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to try their bourbon, and you try, and you're like, oh god, <laughs> back to, back to the six year old back Heaven to Hill. the vodka I was drinking, but. <laughs> There's also ways of discovery, and a good example is uh, Slipknot's collaboration with Cedar Ridge to do their number nine. No one had ever heard of Cedar Ridge outside of Iowa. I mean, I had, and I'd given them some very bad reviews. I'm not a fan of 80 Proof Whiskey. Uh, just I'm, I don't think many people are in our world. And they had an 80 Proof bottling, and I ripped it to shreds. And Slipknot came out with their number nine, Reserve, and it was 99 proof and it was delicious. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And for most of the whiskey drinkers out there, Slipknot's whiskey was their introduction to Cedar Ridge, who is now in in the barrel picking scene, is now in on seal box and is in the circles of, of the bourbon world. If I remember correctly, there was also a news article that came out that they're the top selling brand in Iowa. That's right. Yeah. Over yeah. Templeton. <laughs> In Templeton and all, they're over Maker's Mark. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Exactly. Like they, they like this. They were, they were always doing well in Iowa. But the the Slipknot, which is they're from Iowa, Iowans are very supportive of Iowans. I think that's probably more so than any state I've ever seen. Like in Kentucky, like oh, you're from Kentucky, that's nice. We're gonna go over here to Indiana. <laughs> you know, it's very, it's it's a little different. But in, Iowans, man, they if you're from Iowa, they will support you. The Hawkeyes and the and the Cyclones are very incredible people. But that was a moment where I thought that the collaboration of the celebrity was great for the distillery. I think a collaboration is good. The collaboration is good because the distillery still has a a name to it, right? And it's not just the face of the person. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'm not going to try to drag anybody through the mud, but I, I want to be honest about the way that I thought about their whiskey. I mean, we'll take Terry Bradshaw, for example. We know that Green River produces some amazing whiskey. However, when I tried his, I thought it was still too young. It was not ready. It was... Which batch did you have? Yeah, probably the first one. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, but it was three year, maybe two year, yeah, something that was, like that. Yeah, that was the first one. And and I I know the proof was had to do something with his mm-hmm. his jersey number. I don't know. Uh, I think I think it was his passer rating. There you go. I don't yards. Know. Yeah, and it ran 12, whatever it is. Twelve proof would be pretty low. <laughs> yeah, when is number twelve? Yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> but that's the, that's the way I look at it. Is that when people are getting into this from the celebrity side of things. It's hard to sit there and say, okay, are they in it for the right reasons? Or are they going to do it because they they need another revenue stream? And for the most part, when I look at a lot of these celebrity brands, it's the revenue stream. Let's I want to take Metallica as probably a really good example because not only do they do it from a revenue stream perspective, I think they they wanted to do something that they could create their own, and that's why they have mm-hmm. that whole like sonic enhancement. And they have this whole blackened thing, so it's cool. Like they have their own little thing. They but, yeah. they also have like oh go ahead. Well, the the thing I was going to say is the big reason that they wanted to do this is because now they want to take it to every single concert venue they go to and they want to double up on it. And so they can go and they can sell their own whiskey at every single concert and, you know, they don't have yeah. to worry about, you know, okay, Jim Beam's not getting this money. We're getting this money and and they can they can capitalize on that. Same thing with Brad Paisley and the same exact thing's going to happen there. Yeah. I will yeah. say like I'm very familiar with that because, you know, and putting on concerts and being the spirits guy in those scenes and also being friends with all these managers and everything that manage these bands and kind of helping them from time to time. 
that is their goal. But there's also like venues don't always play ball with that. They have a conflict of interest statements in their contracts. And like Las Vegas at MGM, when I did an event there, I had to sign a thing that I had no partnerships with any any of the, the bourbons I was pouring or in, in any kind of like affiliation or whatsoever. So like, I, I do think that the the venues are seeing that trend and they're saying, oh, we don't make as much money on this one. Mm, yeah. So uh, it's a negotiation point now. Festivals, man, that's open. You know, but you, the the places that are like the Yum Center, Madison Square Garden, you know, they they got to get their vig uh, on what's being poured there, and that uh, that like marketing money, the hundred thousand dollar, two hundred thousand dollar, million dollar sponsorship, you know, to be poured there, that's a major revenue stream for the venues. So you're very smart to catch on to that point. But it's inter- it's so interesting to see like the backs the behind the scenes back and forth of like how it's playing out because the venues don't like that that angle. Oh, I'm very sure much. they hate it. That's I mean everybody knows the margin you can make in drinks. Yeah, it. I was I was thinking about this as you were talking, and it's like it's like having a celebrity. You know, probably pre social media days was probably a, a no fail home run. You know, you get a celebrity behind it. You know. Get it, people, because they're the people that were getting covered all the time. You know, they're right. on TV, they're in magazines, they're this and that. Whereas people no longer necessarily tune into those. You know, I mean, there's some that'll tune into E and read People magazine or whatever all the time. But no, most people, I just saw another one: UFC and Hallerhead with uh, yeah, Dana White. There yep. we go. another Green River brand. <laughs> <laughs> now Pritzker. But it's like now is it almost a disadvantage to have a celebrity? Like, are you going to be like people going to be more skeptical and that? Whereas people now are really tuned into like social media people and, uh, you know, their tribe that they've built online, would they more trust them versus like a celebrity? I don't know. Does it put you at more of a disadvantage? Well, I, I think it's, it depends on the celebrity. I mean, if the celebrity is not involved with the brand and not sharing that in their social media content, I think it's a fail. The Rock does it the best, by the way, because it's oh, oh, Terry on Tuesdays. Yeah. I mean, we say what you will about the tequila, but he definitely does his job of pumping up. So the, the guy, so the the architect behind that, his partner is a guy named Ken Austin, who founded Avion Tequila. He was also Conor McGregor's guy that built Proper Twelve. He was one of the, you know, one of my first business interviews in the in the game when I was at Tasting Panel. We've remained friends over the years, and. He says The Rock put his own money into that and like he's very passionate about it. Like, and so you have someone who's like more than just, you know, he's engaged with this. And the, yes, it's a revenue stream. But more importantly, at some point, Brown Foreman, Diageo, Pernod Ricard is going to buy these brands from that. So it's not just a, just a revenue stream, but those, these big plays like that, it's the how you get the FU money for these guys. You know, it's how they upgrade on the private jet. And, and The Rock is just, I mean, to me, he's the best celebrity out there. Like he's like, if, if you're, if we were out to do a poll, like who's the number one celebrity, just who you like seeing, you know, The Rock is my guy. He, everybody loves him. His amount of bandwidth he has is unbelievable. <laughs> I know. It's like. Think he's cloned? I think he's it, got another guy? There's gotta be. I mean, I mean, I feel like we're pretty, you know, busy and ambitious. I'm like, how the hell does he <laughs> shoot he does six lie. movies, a 
that and TV still episode. manages to be that big and buff and work Go out, bass you know? fishing, and, you know, I'm like, gosh, how do you have all this time? I don't know how he figures it out. But I want to touch on what you talked about, about Diageo and these big brands that are buying them out. I kind of hate that the fact that this is happening, only because... If you look at Casamigos, yes, it's the third biggest selling tequila brand, yet what? It's full of sugars and flavors and additives and a lot of diehard tequila fans just aren't a fan of it. If this happens in the bourbon world, let's say Brothers Bond gets picked up. Okay, now you've got somebody that's going to go start slanging a bunch more 80 proof whiskey from MGP around. Well, they do have they do have cash strength and stuff. They have cash strength, which I was much more fan of that than their 80 proof. I wasn't a fan of that. Just tasted, you know, whatever. Is there ever going to be an 80 proof that we like, though? (laughs) No, No. but I mean, that's but that's I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, granddad. I mean, I guess they're 86, though. But but that's what I'm talking about is that that if if you get to that point where those brands get acquired and get blown up. And then all of a sudden that becomes the standard for what is bourbon to the average consumer, then people like barrel, people like, I don't even want to say wild turkey, but you know, other NDPs, other people that are really trying to put out great whiskey are going to kind of get overshadowed because they're going to be lost by 80 proof MGP. What's, what's an amazing, what the, the topic you bring up here is kind of like, you can almost see like how the celebrity strategy plays out with like what they're bottling, you know, brothers bond, they're not going after us or, you know, the typical bourbon drinker, they're bringing in a new audience. They're bringing in their audience. They're bringing in, they're bringing in their audience and they're just got just enough on the fray where the, they're, I mean, I, I think there are 100,000 cases already. I mean, they're pretty big. You know, a lot of it is like how they are bottled, how are they are marketed. And they're not after like that core that Barrel has created or to an extent someone like, you know, a brand like Booker's has like been marketing to. They're tapping into a new audience that will compete against Jack Daniels and Crown and... Uh, all those. Yeah, those like floor pours is what I would call them. Like you're out on the floor playing in a casino and you get like, you know, cigarettes, whiskey, <laughs> you know, that from the cocktail. Yeah, what does Brothers Bond retail for? Like they're 80 per. It's pretty inexpensive. I think it's like 35 bucks, maybe 40 bucks. Something it's like sad that. that you say that's inexpensive, but it is. It's, it, they, good God, $35 for an for 80, 80 proof. proof. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, depressing. I think that's probably so. Maybe it's too expensive then. I don't know. Whatever you, whatever you want to put it at. Hey, but you know what? I mean, Basil Hayden is 40, 50, 60. I, mean, I don't yeah. even know what it is. Sixty dollars for eighty per. I haven't bought a bottle of Basil Hayden in a while. But I, like I said, the, the the one thing that I feel that that might be something that could hurt bourbon over time because if if it does get acquired by the likes of Diageo or a Constellation or a very large brand that can put all the money they have behind the resources of really yeah. blowing it up, then that becomes the new standard for what people get introduced to. And that becomes something that people are, they go that more this, for smooth and easy and light and instead of, you know, full flavored, full, I mean, you know, I it, don't know. And, yeah. and it's not, we've said it all the time, it's, you know, we, it's not like that we have a war against MGP. We always say it's great, but then that becomes the standard, right? Now I don't, Kentucky bourbon, now loses its luster to some Indiana to whiskey. vampire Indiana oh, there, boys. <laughs> but that is a that is a real concern for um uh for the Kentucky bourbon distillers is they they do know there's a lot of quality out there knocking on that door and and, and it's not it's not MGP but like Starlight you know Starlight Huber's distillery is making great whiskey and I think to myself if like 
if they got positioned and up their capacity and and like a celebrity helped introduce people to that brand, much like we saw like with Cedar Ridge, I think that would be good for bourbon. Whereas like, you know, you're talking about like some of the celebrity action is on the lower lower tier, lower quality, and isn't necessarily good for bourbon. Well, I guess give me an example of an of a celebrity that's put out something that's like super high quality, premium price point that pretty much anybody can get behind, whether you're a whiskey fan or you're an everyday consumer. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Give me an example of, an, of a celebrity that's put out something that's like super high quality, premium price point, that pretty much anybody can get behind, whether you're a whiskey fan or you're an everyday consumer. Oh, we're staying in whiskey, not not. Yeah, a, let's stay in whiskey. Okay. I mean, we are a bourbon podcast, after all. Yeah, well, that's true. I was about to go into tequila because there's so many damn celebrities there. But I know I'm trying to run. Um, okay, there you go. You saw you answered my question, right? <laughs> what what was the what I, I would say? Name, name anything that any celebrities came out with in whiskey that has been something that all of us could get behind and go, yeah, that's a pretty damn good whiskey. I, I would say probably the Slipknot one, but I'm, I I know that not everyone liked that one, but Blackened is... I'd say Blackened is probably the closest. Blackened, yeah. their cash strength is, is is up there. And, you know, I know you didn't like the first batch. I've, I thought that the Bradshaw batches two, three, and four were were really good. And um, they haven't sent us one after number one, so I guess I, that that was my only introduction. They never sent me any either. I went. Yeah, the, but Blackened they they have. Gosh, I can't remember their master blender or whatever curator Rob Rob, Rob yes that's going out and you know doing this. You know, he's the one going out with Drew and the warehouses and picking those barrels and blending them. Or the first couple ones were MGP, I guess, or I don't know. No, they were. They basically were aged that they were at whistle pig and he basically blended dave used to like create this in the 
vein of Canadian whiskey with a finish with the, you know, Metallica music playing. Uh, it's essentially it. I mean, God, I, this, I miss Dave, but that was kind of their their vision. And and the way that he did that is like, he, you cannot duplicate that, you know. And they he yeah. probably created the most difficult process for making a whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but Blackened too, I mean, it's still a very niche market. It's not as wide, you know, 100,000 cases is for, you know, the brother's yeah. hood or whatever, brother's <laughs> Brother's hood. <laughs> um, like Blackened's probably more of like a 10,000 bottle, you know, release. Yeah, I, I don't think it's 100,000 cases, but I know oh, it is no. growing. No, yeah. but that is, it, it speaks to a different audience as well. You go and you talk to the everyday normal bourbon consumer. They might not know that Blackened is actually part of Metallica. Heck, Metallica is a pretty big name. Who knows if even all of their fans know that Blackened is something that Metallica They owns. sure try if you get on their socials and then, and then you read the comments and it's like, you guys are old. I'm like, wow, you all are mean, you know? It's like, I haven't looked at their socials, but... But, you know, it's, I, I also something to, to point out is like, you know, d- does it fit? And Metallica has had very public commentary or very very public issues with alcohol. James Hetfield, the lead singer, is, is sober. And I remember when I was interviewing them, you know, that kind of came up a little bit. Does it seem like it's a money grab if somebody goes, I'm sober, but I'm going to come out but, with my own whiskey? But one of the band members Yeah, but there's is, other. Is huge. Other. Yeah. They're huge, huge whiskey fans. Like, Robert's a huge whiskey fan. And, and by and, the way, I'm not trying to deny. I'm actually just posing a question. So that's, that's all. Poco. That's all. I'm, I'm just. I'm just. It's, it's, Metallica is a billion-dollar company. You know, if you look at it like as a company, it's a billion-dollar company. And, you know, Lars is, would be the CEO. I remember sitting down with him and that guy was just asking me questions about whiskey. He was like probing my brain for more information. It was it was really fascinating. And to be there with Dave during that process was really cool. But Metallica is is a brand that would be like if if you want to look at if you want to translate music bands into brands, it's Nike, Starbucks, you know, they are, they are a mega brand. Their their font has literally been copied and used by people. Like so they've created something that, you know, without James Hetfield, there is no Metallica, don't get me wrong, but he would not have signed off on that if 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 he didn't want to. And they have maintained his sobriety and everything. And that comes up a lot and they've approached it. And I think they've handled it well, but at the same time, the outside looking in, it's kind of like, is it a money grab? Um I mean, it's business. So, yeah. Fair. It's what about uh, Sweden's Cove? You know, that's I mean, a good that's a good example. I think the the issue that the only issue that I see with Sweden's Cove is that there's too many pockets to line with that one. You know, you've got what both the Mannings, the Andy Roddick, Andy Roddick I mean, Drew Holcomb. I mean, you you keep going. the The list keeps actually going all three down. Mannings, Cooper Mannings in it too. So you, you keep going down this list, and all of a sudden, you would think. Like just with all those people, you would think that that would be bigger than Brothers Bond. It'd be bigger than all these people because you combine all of their social media accounts together. It's bigger. Yeah, it's bigger than them. I don't, know about, Brother, I don't know about Brothers Bond. They got a big social media following. Yeah. yeah well, 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 maybe big, but it's just they, they comment and it's just a bunch of like heart emojis. So I don't really know what's what's real <laughs> and what's me, not. Text me. Come to me. Come. come so come it's to it's me. hard to know exactly what's real and what's not. But it seems any, like they've t- they've a They've 
they are going after that whiskey enthusiast market. They're not just like trying to be like a, I mean, maybe their goal is to scale as, as big as Brothers Bond, but it doesn't seem like that. It seems like they're very small batch quality focused, you know, having Marianne blend for them. And it almost doesn't feel like yeah. it's about them. Right. Exactly. I think it's probably more of a, an investor. I don't know. And Fred's, you know, spent time with these boys and probably knows their intentions with it, but it's the story behind the golf course there a little bit. They, wanted to get in business together. And, you know, I mean, everyone who gets in the whiskey business, right, has a story and there's a lot of it's around friends and, and everything. And I think that one is a, is genuine with Sweetens Cove. And one of my favorite stories about that is like Peyton Manning calling up stores and talking to managers randomly <laughs> to get them to carry, to carry the bread. Oh gosh, that's an easy sell. I was like, you know, because he doesn't have social media. That was one of the things I talked to him. I was like, why don't you have social media? He's like, well, I was in the age before that was there, so I'm just not going to add it. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it. That's smart. But you're all right, Ryan. It doesn't feel like that brand is about them. It, they're, they're investors into it. They're a little vocal about it, but you don't see any of them that are constantly taking pictures of it. And it's not, you know, we're going to make a Tennessee tour or anything like that. It, 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 they're honestly, they're relying a lot on Marianne to make it successful. Right. And sure. I, I feel that that might be an unfair advantage that she has to deal with because, you know, she's, well, she's dealt the hand she's given with the whiskey barrels that that's there. And it's for the most part, it's, it's really good whiskey, but you know, for the promotion side of things to make sure that it's constantly selling through knowing that that's probably the hardest thing. It's, it's easy to make your first case sales to actually go and get onto the store shelves but it's hard to get that sell through to make sure that consumers are going to buy it. And then the distributors the are reordering yeah. and, and all that. And I think that's the the hard part. And is if you don't have that, if that particular brand doesn't have that face, that's going to be continually promoting and pushing it, that's going to be really hard to sustain over a period of time. Yeah. And also Sweetens Cove was an example to me of like, of how a celebrity, a celebrity can be damaging to a brand in our circle. Like I, I saw more memes about Sweetens Cove getting made in the whiskey groups and you know any of the celebrity brands out there. Like you like I, you don't see people like giving Brothers Bond a hard time. Do you, you think know? it's because Marianne's connection with it is that why? No, no, I think it was that was kind of that was kind of her first thing out of the gate, and people would say, "Oh, great, another thirteen year dickle," and I, that was unfair, right? That's that was unfair for her, but what she did with Kennedy. That was, you know, you can see blending talent right there. But I think she um, she she has incredible brand association now moving on for coming out of that being her first project to get other projects lined up. I mean, that's great brand association for her. So she's she's fine. But people were people know so much about the whiskey. Like you can't you can't pull wool over a whiskey consumer's eyes anymore. You can't. But if that product came out when uh, he was with the Colts in 2005, they'd probably be in hog heaven with with revenue. But they can't uh, do that now because everybody knows every single thing in this space. And so I think that to be a celebrity, you know, you're going to have to rely on a Marianne, a Nancy Fraley, Larry Ebersold, someone like that to guide you so you don't get I don't want to say called out because they called out all the time, but your whiskey sources and all that snuffed out because everyone can do the math pretty quickly. And Brothers Bond, 35 bucks, that's acceptable, right? 
uh, two hundred. You know, pricing is is everything in this game, and to come out of the gate two hundred, three hundred, that's tough. Yeah, you're right. Uh, by the way, Breckenridge, Denver Broncos. So there's another one. Yeah. The other kind of comment to to kind of take along from what you were talking about with the the pricing aspect. Yes, you're, you're going to have a, a variable range, but you know, I, with the Sweetens Cove thing, as we mentioned before, there's a lot of people that are going to be invested in that. So there's going to be some, they want to make their returns at some point. And, and I don't think anybody in that realm is going to be the next Casa Amigos by, by any means, but we could be wrong. I'm not too sure about that. Well, uh, proper 12 would be a really good comparison that sold for 600 million to Proximo, uh, then, Connor McGregor's, but he got pushed out though. Right. Uh, he's still loosely affiliated. I mean, it, it, the, he, he, constantly is punching somebody in public. So <laughs> it's true. I, I don't know what his state is at the moment, but he still had like an ambassadorship or some kind some, of role. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Probably didn't get pushed out completely. But that's a pretty nice check on that whiskey. And he was hustling that whiskey hard, you know. He was talking about case sales and everything. Oh, you know, a brand that has a lot of celebrity involvement is actually Uncle Nearest. They have a lot of uh, celebrity investors like Jeffrey Wright, uh, Andre Iguodala from, in the NBA, People like that are are investors. Okay. Let's see, those are things that you probably don't hear about on the, at least yeah. for the most yeah. part. Though. Do you know how many cases Uncle Nearest does? Uncle Nearest. They did the research and made the claim that they were the, the fastest growing American whiskey of all time. I'm not saying they were and right most or, awarded. Well, that <laughs> they did. I think that's a sidebar for another thing, <laughs> uh, another time, but you can track sales and, you know, I think they are right. I think they are the fastest growing American whiskey. But like, I mean, you have to get to get the research to for me to verify that. I mean, that's it's like research is expensive. And if you dip back to like if you want to go back to like the 50s and stuff, that's a lot of work. So I'm not going to go and spend all that time to validate and verify that they are truly the fastest growing of all time. But I would say that it it's very likely that they are the fastest growing of all time. I still wouldn't consider Uncle Nearest a, yeah, a celebrity brand. Um, you know, they might have, a lot of people have celebrity backers into a lot of things that they're doing. But, you know, to be the face of the brand is is to be one yeah. thing. And to kind of bring this all kind of full circle again is, is, is I, I want to try to find some silver lining. I know I try to poke holes and everything. And, or a silver belly like uh, Alan Jackson's. Or uh, that too. Or right. that too. But I know I look at it from a, a purist and a, you know, the people that listen to this particular podcast, they're the ones that are going to know, like, I'm not going to go buy celebrity whiskey. I'm just not going to do it. And for the most part, I don't think you're ever going to be missing out by not buying a celebrity whiskey. Most people that are listening to this, they know exactly what they like. They know what to go after. They know their distilleries. They know what to, they know how to read the back of a label. But I want to, you know, kind of give a little bit of credit to say, all right, what are the good things that can come out of having a celebrity whiskey? And I think the only thing that we can say is that, well, you do find new fringe audiences. You do pull people into the category the only thing, again, is I just get worried that they might get a, a bad first taste at the product. Well, let's let's look at it, too, from like what's in it for the consumer. I'm looking at a standard everyday bottle of Woodford Reserve up there, but there's something different. It's got some horsies painted on it. It's a special Kentucky Derby bottle. But if you were to crack that open, it's just regular old Woodford Reserve. Ain't nothing special about it. And I think that's the part of it. Like, I was a Metallica fan. I was a Slipknot fan. And so for me to get the opportunity to you know check out their whiskeys and talk to them that was really cool for me so if you were a fan of the celebrity 
you know, they're human. They're in business, you know, and it's a way of showing a support to them in a weird way. Hang on the bottle, drink it, don't drink <laughs> in it. In a weird way. But yeah, that's, I mean, there's Kentucky Derby fans who just buy that bottle. Their Maker's Mark has a celebrity endorsed bottle every year that they give away or sell at Keeneland. And, you know, people just buy it for that bottle. And it's just Maker's Mark. It's just Woodford Reserve. So it's not foreign. And there's not going to be enough of that whiskey out there to convert the palates of the world. And the the only brand that really, in my opinion, has a chance is Brothers Bond. And they're going to have to take up a lot more still time at MGP. And for all I know, Luxco MGP could have a minority share of them. So to have that first right to buy, which is how a lot of these things are set up. So that's the only brand that I can see having the Casamigos um, look and effect. But it's the only one that would make sense for MGP only yeah. because they've had trouble establishing brand dominance pretty much everywhere. I mean, you look at a lot of the brands that they've come out uh, as well as, I mean, Luxco has a few, but most of anything that came out from MGP was, I don't want to say fail, but they definitely haven't been able to penetrate a big portion of the market with Remus and other yeah. things. I'm never a fan of like uh, naming a whiskey after a criminal, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that that never helps you. Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yeah. I, the celebrity aspect of these, I, I'm, I'm indifferent about it. I think it's good that it can get new consumers. I'm not too worried, you know, if somebody drinks the Vampire Brothers bourbon and think that that's what Wait, bourbon what, is. You what know? if it's actually like to prime you up to be eaten by a vampire? No. By the way, is it okay if I ask him why he's wearing glasses on his hat like, this whole time? <laughs> I, I probably I just didn't, didn't recognize I, I didn't it. Realize they were up there. <laughs> just for those listening, Ryan has uh, a pair of very nice glasses, by the way, on top of his, his hat. And, and headphones on top of that. It's, it's like <laughs> I like a lot of sex, like, accessories. He's, he's got a new thing going. It does. It looks, it looks slick. It looks slick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is good, I think, to bring awareness and... To another positive thing, like Brad Paisley's brand, I'm pretty sure he donates all the profits to like Nashville charities and this and that. So, there, you know, there's some things that they can do with their brands that others just can't, you know. And it's, it's the same uh, that the Always Sunny and Philadelphia guys are doing. They're donating all that to like bartender relief. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's, I, they don't, celebrity bands don't excite me, you know, as a consumer. And, but it, I'm sure they're, you know, diehard fan bases that, We'll try anything, and if it gets them into the category, uh, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think we just have to keep doing what we usually do, and that's continuing education and making yeah. sure that people are aware that if if you are getting this category, and and you know, maybe it was Bradshaw, maybe it was Brothers Bond, maybe it was Blacken that got you into trying whiskey, but hopefully, what we can do and what all the other people in whiskey YouTube land and and Instagrammers they can introduce you to all the other amazing whiskeys that are out there that maybe are coming from people that have experienced blending and palate expertise, the ones that are coming from great heritage distilleries that'll really capture you and get you into this. And maybe that's how you fall into it. But I feel like it's it's our responsibility to sit there and and continue the education and get people to to try more things and, well, and, and break challenge. out of just like what's there. And to challenge these celebrities not to just put something in the bottle, you know, let's... If you're going to do it, do it right, you know? Yeah, that, and that's why, like, so going back to Brothers Bond, like, they're involved, you know? Slipknot, you know, Clown of Slipknot is involved, 
you know, there. So when you see like the involvement of the people, that's where I've seen the most success. And I think the greatest thing we can say about bourbon is that they are forced to not do any additives, coloring, flavoring, sugar adding, or anything like that. So they still have to put out a-, a Unless it's a, a blend of straights or a finish or a, a non-straight rye whiskey. So- Something like that. Get on that education. Well, we can we can tackle the TTV laws a different day. But Oh boy, that's a whole- 15 shows. <laughs> oh, boy. Good All right. Well, we'll we'll go back to the spreadsheet out on that one. Figure out which one we got to do there. <laughs> but let's go ahead and wrap it up. That is going to be another episode of kind of talking about celebrities and bourbon and whether it was, uh, and kind of love to hear your thoughts on it, whether you've had a good experience or a bad experience or whether maybe this is how you got into whiskey in general. But you can go ahead and leave a comment on any of the socials that you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and or TikTok. And then also, if you like the show, share it with a friend maybe get them into whiskey and they say like, oh, hey, I tried this other stuff. And be like, oh, let me introduce you to this podcast. They'll, they'll tell you all about all kinds of great whiskeys. But mm-hmm. with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week. Baca sucks. Toodles. Toodles.